I want to tell you, uh, as we start looking at this parable, about a man called Fraser. Fraser passed me one night on a country road when I'd run out of diesel in a white van. I did probably look like I belonged to the travelling people and not the sort of folks that people want to always stop and help. But Fraser asked me what the problem was. I told him I'd run out of diesel and he told me how far away the next petrol station was and then he went on his way. I went to a farmer I knew that lived nearby and asked for some diesel and he gave me diesel and then I was back at the van putting the diesel and Fraser came back and he said, where did you get that diesel? I said, I got it from the man up the road. And then I did a little bit of name dropping. I told Fraser who I was and he said, ah, if I'd have known who you were, I'd have given you diesel no problem. And so you will understand that Fraser's help was not unconditional. He would only help me if he'd known who I was. He would only do the good thing, the right thing, under certain circumstances. And I guess he's not too different than I sometimes am and than you sometimes are. And as we look at the parable of the Good Samaritan or the story of the Good Samaritan, I want us to try and think of which person we see in it. Who are we most like when we look at the parable of the Good Samaritan? And I think I want us to be like the man who asks questions and understand the right thing at the end. But I can see in everybody that's mentioned in this story a little bit of myself and a little bit of each other, I think. So we have this man and he asks Jesus a question. He's expected to ask Jesus a question. This guy, uh, this expert in the law, is an expert in the Torah. and. You can imagine this expert sees this young man and he thinks, whippersnapper, this thinks he knows everything. I'm going to find out what he knows. And so he asks him this question about eternal life. It's a good question, sensible question to ask to find out what he thinks. And so Jesus turns it round on him and he says what is written in the law. And there you have the summary of the law given by this man. I guess if we were all Jewish people, we would know this. I confess that if you were to ask me to repeat that to you without looking at the words, I would get maybe heart and mind the wrong way around or something like that. But love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. He hears this. He knows it. This is what he's done. And so when this man asks the question, he doesn't seem to think, oh, oh, oh no, I failed in keeping this law when he answers it himself. I mean, he doesn't go, oh no, I'm I, I up. He goes to try and justify himself and says, who is my neighbor? And then what happens is we get the story of the Good Samaritan, the story of two religious people who should have helped a man who fell among thieves and robbers. And I want you to notice that it says he, there's lots of detail that's not given here. because, And I want us to notice there's lots of detail because when we help people, we often help them on the condition that the details uh, meet our criteria. So we will help a man who's begging if we know he's going to buy food with the money we give him, not drink, not drugs. We will help somebody if 
they're not going to repeat the same mistake that they made. This man, he's just a man. He could have been a businessman. He could have been a drunk man. He could have been uh, anything, but he's just a man. He fell into the hands of robbers. Why are, are they robbers? What are they there to steal? Do they steal to feed habits? He, we, we ask lots of questions. But the two religious guys, notice they see him after he's beaten up and they walk past. They cross over, worse than just walking past. And then the Samaritan, Samaritan, the people who hated the Jews, the Jews hated them, were told in John that Jews and Samaritans have nothing to do with each other because there's a different interpretation of the law. And so the Jew sees them as unclean, the Jew sees them as unworthy. And so the Samaritan is the one who helps. Who are you like in this story? Well, let's be like the man who asks questions. Because what is, what must I do to inherit eternal life is one of the most important questions anybody would ever ask. And I guess most of you on screen tonight have asked that question. But it is a great question. And if you think of all the people in the story, I think the priest and the Levite, they've somehow asked the question in their minds already. You know, if somebody's wanting to be a priest to serve God, he must be thinking at some point, what must I do to inherit eternal life? If somebody is going to be a Levite and serve, they're asking a similar type of question. I guess, well, do you think the robbers asked that question? Sometimes we doubt people who have taken the wrong path and think they've never asked sensible questions. Well, a lot of people have just come to the very wrong answers. I wonder about the man who fell and was lying there half dead. I bet you if he hadn't asked any questions about what happens when you die before, he was near asking them there, wasn't he? And then the Samaritan, this guy, this this guy, is he a do-gooder anyway? Is he the sort of guy that's always helping? Is he actually helping because he thinks maybe God will be pleased with me if I do? I don't know. But it is a very important question. Some of you have had somebody ask you, will you marry me? It was an important question. You've asked the question, some of you. And you may have regrets about how you answered that. It's affected your, your whole life. But it's not the most important question. A couple of years ago, they were telling you the exit question was the most important question. In Scotland, another question may become a very important question. It may not. We'll get hit up about it. We'll be asking lots of questions. We'll be, we'll be told this is so important. But we really need to remember and to notice that the most important question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And suppose that question happens or follows the what happens when you die question. I mean, which one did you ask first? What do I need, need to do to be saved? Or did you figure out that something bad would happen to you if you weren't saved? So I guess it follows that question of what happens when we die. So it's a, a good ask the question. It's a sensible question to ask to know who we're dealing with. And if we find the right answer to it, if we find the right answer to the question of what happens when we die, 
it would naturally lead on to the what must I do to be safe question. That's why it's important that when people ask the big questions, we guide them to God's word. And that's exactly what's happened with this lawyer. He's guided himself to God's word, this expert in the law, because when we ask the question, what must I do inherit eternal life? It shows us what we've got to know about God. We've got to know certain things. And the thing that we know is that we've got to love God perfectly. We've got to love God completely. That is what God is satisfied with. Complete, utter, perfect love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. See, when you hear that question, you know that you haven't loved God fully. How can you love God fully if you've questioned if he even exists? You love God fully if you've asked him not to look at you when you're doing something you know to be wrong. How can you love God fully the way that you've lived your life and you think of what's behind you, the things you've done wrong? How can you say you've loved God fully? Well, we know that we haven't. This man, I don't know if he thinks I haven't loved God fully or I have, but he goes straight to the neighbor question. What do you do? What do you do right now? when you realize that you haven't loved God perfectly? What, what's your response? Well, maybe if you're a good Christian people, you're able to straight away give thanks for Jesus Christ and for what he's done. But if we haven't already done that, look at the Bible, we see the story, we see the story of God making us, of how we have fallen, and of how God has sent his son Jesus to rescue us. Who took his place on the cross to be our substitute. And that we can come before God as if we've loved him fully. Because God lets Jesus take the punishment for what we have done wrong. Because a substitute goes in our place for the wrongdoing. For the ignoring God. For the breaking his laws. And we appear as if we have loved God perfectly. So I ask, who are you like? Are you like somebody who who understands now that you need to love God fully? And having not done that, have you trusted in Jesus so that that is covered over and he accepts you? How do you inherit eternal life? You have to love God. You have to love others. This man saw that. It's interesting in the Gospel of Luke, there's a a lot of mentions of people that Jesus saw and of people who saw each other. And a few chapters ago, Jesus saw Levi in a tax collector's booth. Uh, and now we have three people seeing. We have a priest and a Levite, and they see a man and they, they do nothing. They leave the man there. But then we've got this Samaritan, and he sees somebody. And he goes to him. He goes right to him. He, he goes to him and he 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 went to him is what the words say and bandaged him and did all these things for him. And if we're saying how do we love? Well, let's face it. Let's be honest with ourselves. 
When was the last time you saw somebody who is arguably in need? I guess it's, you live in London, and I suppose some of you have been stuck in your houses and haven't been out much, but when we go out, we see people who are in need. What do we do? We prejudge and we say, this person is not worthy of my help today. This person will misuse the help I give today. I'm not able to help this person in an appropriate way today. We say, I can't help. Let's be absolutely honest. We cross over to the other side. We we do the same thing. When we look at people, when we see people in need, I don't know all of your life stories, but I guess if we took time to listen to most of the people who we see in the greatest need, we're not going to hear stories of a blessed life that, that has got better and better. Often, often, not always, but often responding to, to wrong that has been done to them in a wrong way. And so this man, this man, he, he goes to him and he does everything that he He's tender towards him. He bandages his wounds. He touches him. He puts oil on. He does everything. What had the, the man who fell among the thieves and robbers done to deserve falling among thieves and robbers? We might say nothing. What had the man done to deserve this man's help? Again, we might say nothing. And then you see the generosity of him. He, he gives his time, his energy. And then he carries him on his donkey and he spends two days' wages. That's what hotels tended to cost. And he says, if you need more, I'll be back. I'll pay. Now, I guess we'd love to say that we're like this man. But we know that we're not. Well, I think we're not. I, I, maybe you are. And it's just, that's true. The Scottish are a bit tighter and, and a bit less generous. But. I don't think that's the case. We're not very good at helping people like that. So who are we like and and what do we do? See, I lived quite near Fraser, Fraser who didn't help me. And one Sunday morning when I was driving to church, I saw Fraser had driven into the ditch. And I thought to myself, well, wouldn't it be nice if the rest of the people who we're going to church, saw me tow Fraser out of the ditch. So I did, because I'm a nice guy, really. But I'm also a little bit of a self-righteous guy. And I thought, <laughs> I thought, Fraser, you didn't really deserve that. And look how good I am. And I think that's one of the problems that we have when we try to do good. We, we adopt a self-righteous attitude. So I want to tell us two reasons why we should do good, why we should help others. And the first is that the expert in the law gave the expert in the law's answer. And it was a great answer. You cannot find a better answer to the question of how kind you should be to the poor other than the Bible tells us to. And that's why we should do it. It's always been the law. Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 7. It's hard to find in this Bible right now, but it tells us that if there's a poor man 
among your brothers in any of the towns the Lord your God is giving you. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Be careful not to harbour this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for cancelling debts is near, so that you will not show ill will towards your needy brother and give him nothing. See, we've always been commanded to do it. He who mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. So you should be kind because it's the law of God. But another reason, and I think one that should resonate with us all a lot more, is we should be kind. We should go and do likewise as Jesus commanded the lawyer to, because we have received from Jesus that help that we did not deserve. Who am I like in the story? I'm like, well, unfortunately, I'm like the robbers of done evil. Unfortunately, I'm like the priests and the Levites who walk to the other side. Unfortunately, I am the man who's lying in the ditch and can't help myself. I'm half dead. Before Jesus came to rescue me, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. There was nothing I could do. And he came. He saw our need and he came and he did everything that I needed him to do for me. Just like the good Samaritan touches the wounds and and anoints, just like he lifts him up and carries him. So it's the same with Jesus. There's nothing that I need that his salvation will not do for me. There's nothing, there's no area of my need that Jesus has overlooked. He comes. I often think that, well, a Scottish answer to lots of problems is let's give somebody a cup of tea and a biscuit. Well, that saves nobody. Sometimes it's good. It gives them the time they need to talk or whatever, but it does nothing. And Jesus has done everything for us. And so we should copy that help. It's lovely how how the Good Samaritan says, I'll return, I'll come back. As Jesus has rescued you, you hear the same thing echoing in you. So how do we respond to this? Well, I think in the church there's two responses to the parable of the Good Samaritan, or maybe even the story. It might actually be something that happened. Jesus doesn't say this is a parable. It could have happened. But what the story is, is that there's two responses. Some parts of the church say the way to get to heaven is to do good. The way to get to heaven is to love God, be nice about God, and be nice to people. And God will accept you. Well, you could, you could read the parable of the Good Samaritan and think that's all that God requires from me. But if we do that, we ignore the rest of scripture. We ignore the story of how we have fallen. We ignore the story of the rescue that we need in Christ Jesus. So there's a way of interpreting the parable of the Good Samaritan that ignores the rest of the Bible. And then there's the way that churches like ours are more likely to interpret it. And that's to believe the rest of the Bible and ignore the parable of the Good Samaritan. See, we've been told, we understand that we could bring nothing to our salvation. We understand that we were broken. We understand that we can do nothing good in ourselves to win the favor of God. We've lost it. And he sent his son Jesus to die 
for our sins and to make us good. And now that we know that, we have our theology right and, and we're careful that we are not the same as these people who think that just by doing good, God will be happy with. And so we almost become pharisaical and we say these people think the wrong thing and therefore we don't want to be like them. And the result of that is that we don't help people like we should. Do you not see that somehow as Jesus Jesus homes in on the answer with this man and, and asks him what he needs to do. He doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, excuse me, mate, you haven't understood the gospel properly. Jesus says to the man, go and do the same. Go and show mercy to people. So going and showing mercy has to be evidence of the love of God. So as we try and live, how, how do we do it? Well, your situation, you're all in different places. I'm sure that it would be easier for me to come down the road and visit some of you in London tonight than it would be for the others of you to get across London to see each other. It's, it's a big place, so you, you can't all do the same thing. You go to different places and see people in different needs. But I have a question for you. When was the last time you saw somebody in need and you gave them money, you gave them time, and you basically said, I'll do more. It's, it's kind of unlimited. Well, maybe you're, you are more generous than me in that regard. But if we're not willing to help people in that way, are we, are we listening to Jesus' command here? It's really, we think, a big ask for us to give people like that. Are any of you just about financially exhausted or physically exhausted because you've been helping somebody too much? Well, well done, if you are. But if we're nowhere near that, are we really listening to the story? Are we doing the right thing? We're expected to help each other. And Dunfermline, our sermon series just now is coming from the Gospel of Luke, and it's about Jesus meeting people like us. And we're people who have big questions. What must I do to inherit eternal life? We're people who know the right answer. We have to love God. We have to love his people. We have to love the church. But we have to do good. We see that this man gave and that the kindness is what he is commended for. We're told to do the same. I used to know a man who didn't come to church. His wife came to church, but the man was the kindest man you ever met. We lived in a village. He he would hardly drive past the children in the street without stopping to give them sweeties. He would come to the house with gifts, and he would go to lots of houses with gifts. He was the kindest, most generous man you ever met. And we all used to say about him, isn't it a pity he doesn't come to church? He's such a kind man. Does he not know? Does he not know that he won't be saved because of the good that he did? I think we always used to actually be a little bit pharisaical about him. Instead of saying, that man is putting us to shame. That man is showing us what kindness is and, and we're not, we're not trying it. 
And we really do need to be like that. In Dunfermline, we've adopted a text for the year just to try and keep each other on the right track and to try and give us a bit of direction through the year. It's from 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. You might have been getting a little bit scared that I'm telling you to do all of these things, but I really want I'm telling you to be kind. Be kind like Jesus. Jesus came to us as we did not deserve help, and he gave himself to help us so that we would know what it is to be well, so that we would know what it is to have that perfection that we need. If we claim to live in him, one of the ways that we'll walk as he did is we will give ourselves to the poor, to the undeserving, and hopefully they will catch a glimpse of the love of Jesus and they'll want to know it. And that is the message for today. I'm kind of glad that I'm not in London because I reckon you see a lot more need daily, hourly, than I do in the office in the back garden. But that's where you are. And so the challenge for you is go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that all our needs has been met in Christ Jesus. That our God will supply all of our needs. We confess that we have not loved you properly and we've not loved others properly. Having been made righteous in Christ Jesus, help us now as we claim to live in him, to walk as he did. And we know that means we obey your laws and we do lots of good concerning worshipping you and, and all these things. But we also know that it means that we are tender, we're compassionate and we go to people. So help us to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.